feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And everybody, you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Those air raid sirens continuing over the country of Ukraine. And by the way, just a little bit ago, the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, coming out and saying that citizens should not be concerned when they hear air raid sirens, basically telling them that they are hearing so many sirens that they have to get used to it because the whole country is right now basically under attack. Think about that. Just a little bit ago, it was targeted strikes. Now there are strikes in numerous cities across the country. And the leader of that country saying there are merciless strikes. And in fact, in the last few days, this is unbelievable. You know, since we last talked about this, I look at, like, the devastation that Russia has caused. They have leveled. It's an art theater. Again, in Mariupol, which we're going to get to in a moment, where there's just unbelievable devastation. That theater, of course. The maternity hospital. And now they are targeting shopping malls. It's just unbelievable, and it is horrific. And, of course, this week, President Biden is going to go over to Brussels. He's going to meet with NATO. Then he's going to go over to Poland and meet with the Polish president, Andrzej Duda. So what is going to come of that meeting? At this time, Putin is making things more and more horrible, more and more merciless. And I want to hear from you tonight. Is it time, as General Jack Keane has said, and many others have said, that it's time to do everything militarily that we can do for the Ukrainian people. If you're really going to do it, if you really want them to win, and they are getting leveled, they are getting slaughtered, no target is off target, you know, is off limits for Putin. He is clearly hitting women and children. There are reports of people being lined up and shot. There are reports of concentration camps essentially being set up. For Ukrainian citizens told to get on a train and they're going to take them somewhere in Russia. Sound familiar? I mean, this is horrific. Isn't it time if we want the Ukrainians to win that we have to go kind of all in and at least militarily give them the MiGs? I'm not talking about boots on the ground, everybody. I still think that that is obviously a very dangerous situation. And certainly we don't want to put our American men and women on the ground. But don't we want to give the Ukrainian people every piece of military might possible? Isn't it time? Because they are getting slaughtered. And I want to hear your thoughts, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. By the way, coming up in just about 10 minutes or so here on the show, we'll be talking to James Carafano, a great military analyst, also a vice president at the Conservative Heritage Foundation, to get his take on where he thinks Putin is going to go next. Because we know in some of the other cities, 
he has continued to pound in addition to Mariupol, which is basically it, it looks like uh, like a pile of rubble, the entire city. It's just unbelievable to see. So where do we go now? What do we do? I think it's time that we got to step up. We got to give them the MIGs because this guy is clearly a monster. He used a hypersonic missile over the weekend. I mean, it's like, okay, what's next? Do we want to wait till it's way too late? Till he does something horrible? Unleashes like chemical weapons? That suddenly some of the chemicals go into NATO territory? The border's right there. You know, I mean, all these, you know, key countries are right around it. What are we waiting for? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. This is President Zelensky, who said not just Ukraine's future is at stake, but he said, listen, the world's future is at stake and the world needs to buck up and support Ukraine. Take a listen. But unfortunately, our dignity is not going to preserve the lives. So I think that we have to use any format, any chance uh, in order to have a possibility of negotiating, the possibility of talking to Putin. But if these attempts fail, that would mean that, that this is a third world war. Wow. If these attempts fail, that would mean a third world war. And in Mariupol, as I mentioned, that city, that port city in the south is getting pounded. The Russians put a surrender deadline saying, hey, listen, surrender. If you drop your weapons, we'll, you know, we won't open fire basically on the city. And bravo to the Ukrainians who said, heck no. They didn't even wait for the deadline to come. They said, uh, we'll think about it for half a second. No. And so talk about the guts of the people in that town, which is taking the biggest pummeling. So far, they believe that 80 to 90 percent of the buildings have been destroyed in that city. And if you look at some of the images, it's like a movie set. I mean, it's unbelievable. You just see the destruction. And it, it reminds me so much of what Warsaw, downtown you know, Warsaw, looked like in World War II when Hitler gave the order, level it. I mean, it is unbelievable the kind of pounding that the Russians are doing. And this is the way a Ukrainian parliament member describes what Mariupol looks like. He said the city basically no longer exists. There is no Mariupol anymore. They bombed everything. It's uh, all this uh, drama theater uh, and maternity hospital and art school. It's, uh, all of this is very catchy for the news, for the media. But uh, in reality, they bombed everything. We don't have Mariupol anymore. We have to build this, uh, build, build this city from scratch. And another city taking a hit is Kharkiv with reports that a 96-year-old man who survived Nazi death camps, think about this, Buchenwald, a number of others, Bergen-Belsen, some of the worst ones of World War II, he was a victim when a missile hit in his home that came under Russian attack. How sad is that? This is a man who survived Nazi death camps in World War II. And he's 96 years old, and he dies from a Russian attack in his homeland of what is democratic and supposed to be free, Ukraine. Uh, I mean, to me, that was just heartbreaking. You think about what he went through in World War II, and yet he loses his life from a Russian attack 
now in Kharkiv, Ukraine. What a heartbreaking situation. And Buchenwald Concentration Camp Memorial, the Germans actually announced it. Think about how much time has changed, too. They were out there announcing and saying just how horrible and how tragic and how sad. And that, to me, just encapsulates. Think about seeing that happening in his town, what he went through, and then to die from a Russian missile strike. That is just an unbelievable situation at a time where now there are reports that they are creating concentration camps where they're sending Ukrainians, asking them to sign a document according to reports, where they would have to work for like, would you work for two years? And they put the gun to your head. Oh, yeah, I'd be happy to work for two years. They put them on a train. They don't know where they're going, and no one has heard from them since. Sounds an awfully lot like World War II, and it is unbelievable and gut-wrenching. So do we just stand by? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Jimmy, your thoughts. Go ahead. If you're walking down the street and you see an older woman woman getting beat up by a big thug, you could arm her, okay? But if you arm her and she's still getting beat up, eventually you have to jump in. It looks to me like this is the situation now at Ukraine. Being that the Soviets murdered 10 million Ukrainians in the genocide of 1932, where they starved 10 million Ukrainians, and now the same victim and the same country attacking them again. This is like genocide number two. We have to do more. And I'm not a military guy, I, I, but we have to do more. We just can't let this keep going on like it is. The whole world's watching. This has to be stopped. If, if they got to get volunteers, you had volunteers, including even Polish people, who fought in China against the Japanese. Volunteers. That was the flying tide. It was like people from different countries all over the world that got together to fight. We, we have to stop. We can't sit back and watch this happening. Putin is a killer. This is the Soviets acting as Soviets. It should not be surprising. This is what communists do. People have to face up to it. You know, it, this is heart-wrenching to see it. Yeah, it is heart-wrenching. And my concern, Jimmy, when I look at this guy, it reminds me of Hitler. It really does. It reminds me. I don't see a guy with any limits. His ruthlessness is unbelievable. It's um, horrifying, and this doesn't look like a guy who is stopping. In fact, if anything, he's upping the ante. And I am just, my heart is sinking now tonight, everybody, as I'm thinking of what is he going to do to Mariupol? Because those people of Mariupol, which have gotten a pounding, there are thousands upon thousands of them still in that port city. They're not able to leave. They're starving them. There's no electricity. They have no homes to go to. You could see the buildings are like, again, 80 to 90 percent destroyed, leveled. And now they have thumbed their nose at Vladimir Putin to the world. He said, okay, you're going to surrender. So they're going to be a guinea pig for something, I think, sadly. And my heart is breaking and I am bracing tonight to wonder what is going to happen next. And that is a horrifying, horrifying thought. When we come back, everybody, we're going to talk to James Carafano with the Heritage Foundation, great military analyst, to get his take on what he thinks Putin is going to do, what he thinks the world should do. And then we're also going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight, President Biden confirming that a hypersonic missile, it does appear, was used 
by the Russians. That's the first time it has been used in warfare, but it's still unclear, according to the military, basically the U.S. military, why it was used. Uh, Is it something that would change the trajectory of the war? Is it more of a message being sent? But it clearly shows that Vladimir Putin is upping the ante in so many ways. And joining us now here on the show to talk about where this is headed and what the U.S. should do now is James Carafano. He is the vice president for foreign and security policy at the Heritage Foundation and a great military analyst. Um, James, what are your thoughts First off, about this hypersonic missile um, with reports that, of course, Putin used it this weekend. And why do you think he's doing that? I, it's, a, it's a great question. And it's actually exactly the first thing that came to my mind is why? I mean, it's like using a Porsche to take your kids to school. I mean, it's uh, I mean, hypersonic weapons are designed to defeat high and air defense systems to strike really vital targets. These are incredibly expensive missiles, uh, really for designed for to, to strategically threaten your enemies. And and why you would throw one, you know, in Ukraine to blow up an ammo dumper, it just makes I mean, it doesn't make any logical sense. I mean, it's not that it, somehow this was going to scare the Ukrainians into surrender. I mean. You know, when it blows up, it's just, it's just a bomb. So, I mean, the Ukrainians can't really tell the difference. They wouldn't have known it was a hypersonic weapon, except people kept, you know, told them that. But it's unlikely the Russians got a million of these things to lob at them. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and dumb bombs would have worked just as well. So it is a bit of a head scratcher, to be honest with you. I mean, look, so if people remember back uh, during the uh, U.S. invasion, I want to say it was a Panama uh, and we used stealth fighters for the reason just because we wanted to test them out in combat. Um, and uh, they really weren't necessary, but you know, but we just wanted to see how they, you know, wanted to use. So I suppose there's a possibility, well, the Russians were, but, but that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. There's no man in the loop here. There, there's nothing shooting at a, a target in, Ukraine is no different than you know shooting at a target range. So it is. It's. It's. But look, everything Putin has done since the first day of this war, when his plan fell apart, they have literally been making this up as they go along. And uh, and, and so who knows? I, I, I you cannot tell from the available evidence what they could possibly be thinking. That's one one of the, the things. Yeah, well, you know what it seems like, um, James, that they are also trying to up the ante. I mean, that's like sort of like. And, and this comes, and I want to get your reaction to um, some of these stories are just heartbreaking that have happened, as you know, in the last few days, um, James. You know, uh, first, of course, that attack, um, as we know, in the theater, the maternity hospital, the art school, um, shopping mall now in Kiev. Um, this report of a Holocaust survivor. You know, here's a guy who went through four concentration camps and he's killed in Ukraine by Russian strikes. And it's also coming as there are reports of potentially concentration camps sort of being set up, like work camps being set up in Russia where they're deporting Ukrainians, telling them, okay, you know, we're going to send you to some work location or you're coming back. And then these people are never to be seen from. It's getting really scary stuff, James. 
Well, I mean, there's two sides to this. One is, of course, the Russians deny that they're doing anything wrong. And this, at this point, it's kind of reached self-parody. You know, talked about, you know, at some point, your propaganda becomes so disconnected from reality that the propaganda itself actually becomes the greatest indictment of your regime. You know, people remember the the, the uh, Lenny Reifenstahl documentaries of uh, Hitler's Nazi Germany, you know, Triumphs of the Will and, and the one on the 36 Olympics, and we still watch them because now they just remind us of the great evil of Hitler. And of course, they were made to actually you know, promote Hitler. But this is, I think, part of the problem here is, is these atrocities are so grotesque, and they're not going to stop because they're literally just going after civilian targets. So these stories are going to come out again and again and again. It makes their propaganda and their justification look, look more ridiculous. The, the, the flip side of that is this is really contributing more to the isolation of, of Russia and, and actually strengthening the resolve of the West to support the Ukrainians. And the, the one thing that we've seen here is, look, as long as they keep those supply lines open, and it doesn't seem the Russians have the ability to close them, the West is going to send more arms, and the more the atrocities increase, they're going to send more sophisticated weapons and more ammunition and more food and more medical supplies. Um, and the Ukrainians are going to be able to fight on forever. And uh, but you know Hitler, I mean Hitler, <laughs> Putin has. Yeah. By the way, know, he, not too much different, James. <laughs> well, you know Hitler had a mustache, and he was a little shorter. But um, you know he he's just decided that that. He is going to punish. It's not even about victory anymore. It's it's he can no longer just pound the Ukrainians into submission. That's just not going to work. So literally, he is punishing the Ukrainians for their failure to submit to him. Yes. So where do you see this headed, um, James? You just have a few minutes left. Where do you see James Carafano at headed? Well, you know, you know, I'm thousands of miles from the battlefield with you know the same information everybody else has. If if we listen to the reports from the Ukrainians. And, you know, by the way, in the last couple of days, 300,000 Ukrainians have gone back into Ukraine to fight against the Russians. I saw that. That's great. I saw yeah, that. Yeah, and um, it looks like it's going towards a frozen conflict, that either uh, the and, and uh, the Russians probably, it's very doubtful at this point the Russians will achieve their military objectives. And and it's it's possible at this point there could be actually be some Ukrainian counterattacks, and the Russians couldn't even hold everything they've taken. That, that's, I think, uh, the current assessment. It seems to me reasonable based on what we know. And real quick, where do you see, I guess, the end game? I mean, do you see an end result, or do you think, as you just said a, a few seconds ago, maybe this is going to go on for a long time? Well, look, I mean, the problem for the Ukrainians, first of all, they have to negotiate from a position of strength. Otherwise, they're just surrendering. But they can't go back to a status quo. You know, a ceasefire or, you know, another – that's just just the crisis before the next crisis. So they've got to get to some endpoint in which they can be sure there's not a crisis after this. That is either NATO membership or Ukrainian neutrality that doesn't restrict the Ukraine from the size of its military or the arms it can have. Or the military exercises, or 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 even basing of foreign troops on their soil, which is essentially what Finland has, um, which is neutrality in word only, because Finland, in every respect, the name is actually part of the NATO um, perimeter. Really, uh, if if you don't get to that, then it's just the crisis before the next crisis. But I will say, is the Russian military is going to have to rearm and reset after this. So. It's going to be months, if not years, before Putin can threaten to invade anybody else. 
Well, well, let's hope this ends peacefully. I mean, that's the that is, of course, the the most important thing in the short term. Um, James Carafano, thank you so much. And thank you for your great perspective um, and joining us tonight. It is such an important and critical time. And we greatly appreciate it. James Carafano, vice president there at the Heritage Foundation. Thanks, James, very much. Well, thanks for having me, and, and thanks for your for your show because it's just that it's just great. Thank thanks you, again. thank you so much, and you too. And your perspective is great, James. Thank you so much, everybody. When we come back, we're going to take your calls. What do you think? Where do you see this headed? Um, do you think? That, look, it'd be the best thing if there is some sort of peace deal or peace negotiation that comes up soon. Let's pray. I don't see it happening with Vladimir Putin. I don't see it in the short term. And he is clearly trying to up the ante. And just as James said, he's sort of throwing darts, kind of trying different things. And I'm very proud of the Ukrainian military so far and the Ukrainian people. But can they continue? And what else does the U.S. need to give to them to make them win? Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, two police officers near Chicago rushed into a burning home overnight to save an elderly woman as police and fire crews worked to contain the blaze. An elderly woman who was using a walker was trapped on the second floor. Willow Springs, Illinois, police officer Anthony Visaki helped bring the woman to safety. He said he had just adrenaline. You don't think about the rescue. I just thought about going in there and, of course, making sure that everybody is safe. Police also rescued the family's dog from the home, and everyone, amazingly, is expected to be okay and great work by our wonderful men and women in blue. Well, we are talking, of course, about the situation in Ukraine as just the Russian attacks are getting more brutal against civilians and everybody bracing, um, especially in the city of Mariupol, where they defied Putin's threat. Putin said, you know what, I'm going to give you a few hours for you guys to put down your arms and surrender. And if you do, I'll let you go, basically. Who knows where he was going to let them go to because there are reports that he is setting up concentration camps, essentially work camps, if you will. How horrific is that? Um, but still, the people of Mariupol said, uh-uh, this is our country. We are fighting for freedom. We will never surrender to the Russians. And literally within seconds turned down any form of surrender to the Russians and said, we need more military might from the U.S. and the rest of the world so we can finally put Russia back once and for all. They've made some strides, but still the Russian military still has a lot of strength behind it. Take a listen. Here's a little bit of uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky talking and basically saying that he needs more help because time is of the essence. So uh, if Russia continues to take soundings, uh, testing the ground, and if they do not see any kind of response from the West, they will continue to advance. I have been talking about this um, from the very first day of my presidency. I did not talk about this in public uh, because I didn't want to give them the possibility to reinforce their position. Now the world, the whole world is seeing that our army, army is strong. 
And the world is seeing their army is strong. But clearly, the Russians still have much more military might. And General Jack Keane, Fox News contributor, said it is time to do one thing, send in the planes. Take a listen. This is Jack Keane talking about what he thinks the U.S. should do now. So the air defense systems that the Ukrainians are requesting, NATO and the United States have got to keep those weapons coming, that they should still give them the Polish uh, MiGs that Poland was intending to give them, and we had this snafu. Let's resolve that this week at the NATO meeting when President Biden gets there and get these fighters in their hands. So do you think that that's what's going to come about, that at this NATO meeting in Brussels, that they will say, hey, listen, give them the MiGs, because they're seeing what's happening in Mariupol. They're seeing what's happening to so many of the other cities, and the brutality is just so transparent. And Jack Keane says... We got to be all in. That's what he's saying. Not necessarily boots on the ground. He said, do not do that. He's also not supporting at this point a no-fly zone. But he is saying we at least have to be all in with the best military might for the Ukrainian people. Take a listen. This is going to be a long war. The Russians have put out now, just within the last 24 hours, they're telling their people and their leaders, prepare for a long war in Ukraine. And that means the sustainment of the arms and munitions will be critical to Ukraine's success. And our, our mission should be to help the Ukrainians win this war and drive the Russians out. That should be our focus. Our focus isn't preventing World War III or an expansion of the war. That's a secondary issue. The primary issue is help the Ukrainians achieve a victory here against the Russians, and we have to be all in to be able to do that. Jack Keane saying we have to be all in. Our goal is to win the war and drive the Russians out. So what do we need to do? to do that. And do you think that that is the clear objective right now? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to George in Cornwall, New York. Go ahead, George, your thoughts about all this. What do we need to do now? Hi, Rita. Thank you so much for your attitude and what you do. I really, really appreciate it. I also appreciate your support for the men in blue. My son's in law enforcement in uh, Homeland Security. But I want to answer answer your question is what should we do? I think we should, uh, listen to what that last gentleman said, we should go beyond that, in, in my opinion. I think we should go in in a limited way, not only in Ukraine, but take out the Russian hardware. Go in there with the A-10s, with fighter jet support, and take out those columns of tanks and the missile, missile launchers. Not going to Russia, limit it to the Ukraine. They've crossed into the border, into another country. They're killing innocent civilians. In my opinion, Putin has crossed the line. It's time for action. I really, really believe we got to take out whatever is in Ukraine. We should do it. NATO should do it. Now, are you worried, you George? That, well, that's what I really feel like. We could go in with those eight tents and just take out those columns and save all those people. Hundreds of people or thousands of people are dying every day. Why? no purpose and we have given them no support except some weapons and and by the way when i look at those like row of tanks that we see like on the satellites you know believe me i'm thinking the same thing like just think about some great planes coming in and just strafing them all you know what i mean you could imagine um the question is the minute we do that then it opens us up to some sort of retaliation from a madman i mean you know from putin who clearly i think is a war criminal as everyone else has said 
You know, I mean, the kind of murders and the kind of brutality that he's doing. So do, uh, you know, is the American public ready for that? That's why I'm apprehensive about that. But I think I think give them the MIGs. I think let the, give them the best so they can do it, you know, so then it's the Ukrainians doing that. And I think if you give them the right military hardware, I think they can and will do it, George. Don't you? Is that maybe maybe that's the better solution? Well, I know it sounds extreme, but MIGs are not A-10s. They could take out those columns of tanks and rocket launchers in one day. Limited to Ukraine. Don't go into Russia. Don't go into Belarus. He crossed the border. We take care of the Ukrainians. I know it sounds extreme, but I think that's a quick answer, and it's going to show strength. I don't think Biden would ever do it, but if some military leaders could get behind this, we could stop this war in a day. Yeah, no, I. by the way, I 1,000 percent agree with you in terms of the force that we have and that NATO has, and I don't think we have given it our full throttle to the Ukrainian people. And so far, it's like a lot, you know, a little— And it's too late so far, you know, and there needs to be some step up of some form. I'm not sure if that's the solution, but I hear what you're saying because it breaks my heart when I see what is happening right now to the Ukrainian people. And I and I also think this is a guy who has no boundaries, George. I mean, that's the other thing, too. We're looking at what Putin has done and his history. I mean, if you look at everything, he said, oh, I'm not targeting civilians. He's targeting civilians. I'm not doing this. He's doing that. I mean, this is a guy who has already bombed two targets that are not that far. One was like 23 miles from Poland's border. The other one was 50 miles. Uh, That's not a lot when you're talking about missile strikes. You know, that's a hop, skip, and a jump. And so this is a guy I can see him testing the limits of NATO, you know, for years, if not decades to come. So there has to be something that's done. Um, George, I hear your passion. Thank you so much. And I want to do whatever we can to help the Ukrainian people. Let's go to Norm in Brooklyn. Norm, what do you think we should do now? Hi, Rita. Um, I think we should give humanitarian aid to the Ukrainian people. I think we should take their refugees, uh, as many as uh, come out of there. But I do not believe in any military intervention in Ukraine. No, um, no. Tell I, me again. Yeah, no, tell me why, Norm. It's always interesting to hear. There's so many different opinions. Why? Why do okay. you? Why are you against it? We, uh, I'm against it. Number one, because I don't necessarily trust the media and their whole their whole take on this whole affair. Um, I, I'm against it from a personal issue because I, frankly, my own family was on my father's side were murdered by Ukrainian collaborationists with the Nazis during World War II. Um, I do not. In, OK, I'm going to say something and you're going to might hate me because of this, but I don't believe the country of Ukraine should have ever have been established. I think that this is part of the Russian Empire. I think Poland is off limits. I think once they hit that border, it's rock and roll, baby. Then, you know, that's a NATO country. We should go in there and do whatever we need to take. But let but me let point, me ask you, Norm, because I, I hear what you're saying. I don't agree with it, but I hear what you're saying, my friend. But let me ask you. You believe that it's okay for Putin to be doing everything he's doing. I mean, it is beyond no, the pale no, right now, don't you think? No, I mean, that is basically that is basically the horrible way that things are done in that region. And and for us as Americans to go in there, I think it's a it's a den of snakes. I do not trust Zelensky. Zelensky was established under the Obama administration. He is a uh, World Economic Forum Soros. Uh, Klaus Schwab 
But what about Putin? Either. What about Putin, Norm? I'm, I'm hearing Putin you give is, Putin, Putin a pass. A gum, but Putin, but Putin, I'll tell you something. I think Putin is better for the Russian people than our president is for Americans. Putin wants. Putin wait, 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 wait. Let me get you. Okay. Let me get you. Just repeat that again, Norm. Okay. Um, and, and Norm, you know, you've called before, and I've agreed with things yes. you've said in the past. I, but, right. but I, you know, as much as I think Biden has been a disaster in so many forums, okay. you know, and bumbling and fumbling, and and I'll agree right. with that part of it. I, I I'm not going to say that that uh, that Putin is doing any favors for the Russian people or for the world right okay. now. Well, I want to I want to tell you something. A lot of Russian immigrants, of which you know, on my birth certificate it says Russia. Okay, and not, not I'm not born there, but my father it says my father was born in Russia. Okay, because in 1963 that was Russia. Right. No, the borders okay. changed. By the way, and I've said right. this, Norm. My father was born in Poland. It is now right. part of Belarus. So, right. you know, so the borders have changed in, in yeah. so many different okay. directions. I mean, incredibly conflicted about everything that's going on there. I'm a pr- incredibly inflicted when I see Russian tanks, and I know a lot about military stuff, when I see Russian tanks that don't have Russian flags on them. Okay. I'm incredibly conflicted when I see the media. I don't see them on the ground there. I see them reporting from hotel rooms. Okay. I'm incredibly so, so conflicted. Norm- yeah, I'm incredibly conflicted that COVID and everything is off is off the media's. Um, hey, Norm. You know, hey, Norm. Norm, 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 Norm. Two things. One thing is, are you like thinking it's like like a fake movie that the that the media is creating? And two things. I will also get to the point about the media. The media, many of them, yes, have been reporting from a hotel room because they've actually been in a very dangerous situation. I mean, you saw what happened, uh, Benjamin Hall, you know, uh, of Fox News, and the photographer who was with him was killed, and also the woman who was helping him on the ground, she was killed. Benjamin Hall, uh, severely injured, thank goodness, doing better. Uh, but that's what happens to a lot of them when they go outside because it is such a dangerous situation. It's not like they're creating the story. They're just trying to stay alive so they can report the story, Norm. You know, I mean, what would Donald Trump do? Donald Trump. I, I, I can tell you what I think Donald Trump would do. And then I want to hear what you think. I think Donald Trump, first of all, I don't think we would be in this situation. If Donald Trump was president, I think he would have been extremely tough with Putin, but he also would have talked to Putin. And I think Putin clearly understands peace through strength or just strength through strength, if you will. You know, I mean, and I think Donald Trump would have laid it on the line and said, listen, don't you dare go in there. And if you do, this is what's going to happen. And that never happened. It doesn't seem with Biden. It doesn't even seem like it's happening now. I mean, we're seeing these horrible atrocities, Norm, you know, and and even our president. And I agree with you on this part that he's just kind of, you know, he's cycling, you know, going for ice cream in Rehoboth Beach. You know, nice place, but it ain't the time to be getting ice cream. Rita, look, I'm hoping that this Brussels thing with Biden will will we will have a result Peace is the best objective. Okay, peace is the best objective. And I, I, I frankly, uh, give arming them and having no flyover zones, it will draw us more and more into into a war. And that war could be very, very bad. You broadcast out of New York City. All it takes is Putin to feel he is 
cornered and they will push the button and then there will be no more at WAB studios no more no more Rita and no more Norman okay so we, well, by know, the way that would break my it. heart Norm for both of us that would break my heart I know, and I love you Rita yes, I really and, love you but, just but, like, you know I, I and don't I do like too. to go on the air and disagree with you no I really and, don't like that and by the way for the record Norm you and I usually agree like 99 percent of the time so I but I love I love, and you know this, Norm, I love hearing everybody's opinion. And, and this is such a serious topic and such a complex topic that I also appreciate hearing everybody's perspective because this is not something where you just make a decision. And, and I'm conflicted in a lot of ways. I, I have not said that I believe right now I'm concerned about a no-fly zone because I agree it puts us in that position. I do think arming them, I think the White House is splitting hairs when they say, Oh, we're going to give them javelins. They've already committed to giving them the javelins and the stingers and all these other things, Norm. And so what's the difference at that point if they give them the MiGs? They're not flying the MiGs. And I can. And if you look at the history, even of Russia, Russia was doing, you know, in Vietnam and in other conflicts, Russia was actually giving the planes to many people. Didn't think that was them entering the war, you know. So you could make a case that, you know, hey, you said it wasn't you entering the war. We're doing the same thing you've done in the past, you know. And, and I almost feel like Putin is going to try to drag us in regardless. And how much more slaughtering can we have? the Ukrainian people go through. The other thing is, Norm, one thing you're forgetting, too, is there was a deal with Russia when they gave up their nukes. They gave up their nukes with the deal with Russia and the U.S. and other people in the world. If we give up our nukes, us Ukraine, will you promise basically to keep our sovereignty? And Russia said yes. And U.S. said yes, we'll protect you. So, you know what I mean? They can make a case because of that norm. And I'll, I'll give you a few seconds because I, I agree. It's such a calm, it's it's such a powerful topic, Norm. But I, I want to hear from everybody. Go ahead, Norm. No, you know, I, look, uh, I want peace. Um, I, I just I think it's quite telling that the American left and the, that nobody's talking about bringing refugees to this country. They don't want the Ukrainians here, obviously. They don't want – and meanwhile, our southern border, they're streaming across. Well, and, and th- here that's, a, that's a good point. There is a double standard, you know, and you and I have talked. Yes. I hate that open border, and I'm talking right. about from, from a security standpoint. We have to vet who comes through no matter who it is. Right. Um, but, right. but no, I, I hear you. They, they seem to be – and just like – remember the Cubans. They weren't in a rush to take Cubans either, you know. I mean – um, right. So it, there's definitely a lot of hypocrisy, but I also think when you see what's happening on the ground there, it is unbelievable. And as you and I both from, you know, being generations from families who were torn by war, Norm, I mean, the last thing you want to do is see it spill over and you don't want to see someone who continues uh, slaughtering people in Ukraine and maybe beyond. That's that is my okay. fear, too, for the world, you know. OK, Rita. Thank you for thank you for listening to me. I love you, Norm. You got to call back. I love you. You're great. Everybody, we're going to continue with your calls. Everybody, one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Who's right, me or Norm or somebody else? You know, we've heard a whole bunch of opinions because boy, is this serious stuff, guys. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. What should we do with Ukraine now? This is the Rita Cosby Show. latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And this is Rita Cosby. At this hour, air raid sirens are taking place in many cities across Ukraine. 
as indeed there are multiple reports of targets still on civilian areas. This is also coming as President Zelensky is saying, I need to meet face to face with Vladimir Putin. We need to talk, saying that if these peace talks fail, then there could be a potential quote for World War Three. So far, the Russians are not agreeing to any sort of face-to-face meeting with Vladimir Putin and President Zelensky. We'll, of course, find out if anything gets resolved when the NATO meetings take place in Brussels later this week with President Biden and many of the other leaders, also G7 leaders, of course, and then he is going on to Poland. So what should the world do now as there are more and more reports of multiple horrific attacks taking place all over Ukraine. We talked about a 96-year-old Holocaust survivor. Think about it. This is a guy who went through four of the worst of the worst concentration camps. He survives the unimaginable in World War II, and then he gets killed by a Russian airstrike. And now there are reports of concentration camps being set up, according to multiple reports, where Ukrainians are told, hey, will you agree to work for a couple of years, sign this document, and we'll bring you back. And then relatives never hearing from them again and reports that they are being taken to somewhere in Russia for God knows what. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil in Mendham, New Jersey. Phil, your thoughts about what we should do now. Well, I actually wanted to dis- – hi, Rita. I wanted to dispute, and you did a good job also, the caller that uh, said three things. One, that Russia had some sort of bogus ancient claim on Kiev. Yeah, that was uh, Storm and Norman. That was Storm and Norman who just called, yeah. Right. The second <laughs> thing he said is that the Nazis uh, and the World War II that were Ukrainian – uh, basically had turned him against support for Ukraine today in 2022. And the third issue I'll, I'll remember in a second. Yeah, he said that the, he said that uh, the third was that he didn't believe the media, that he thought it like oh. it was sort of making up stories that maybe it's not really happening on the ground there. It, it, actually, the other one is that he thought that Putin was a preferable leader than Zelensky for and someone. No, 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 actually, actually. But he probably would agree to that. He did trash Zelensky. So I actually think he probably would agree to that. But what he he what he did, actually, he said, no, he said he said Biden. He said Biden. He thinks that he's better for Russia than Biden's better for America. That's what he was saying. In other words, he thinks Uh, Putin's a, a better leader representing his people. All right. Well, then let me address all three, if I may, ma'am. Sure, go uh, ahead. Russia, listen, at one point, Kiev was a larger and more vital city in the 14th or 15th century than Moscow. So under his logic, uh, the, the uh, Ukrainians could lay claim on Russia and say, you know, we're really one and we should subsume you. And now, obviously, that's ridiculous logic. Yep. But the only reason Putin is doing it is because he can sit there and pour over old maps down in the Kremlin basement. Right, and blow and off dust. Hey, Phil. Historical, Phil? historical, just, yes. We just have a minute, so I want to make sure you get to the other two oh, points okay. real quick. Okay, Go ahead. So, okay, so the, thank you. So the first thing is, uh, you know what, self-determination. Why are some of our callers forgetting that people have a right to self-determination just like we did? Yep. The second thing is this Nazis in the World War II. Well, then you know what? 
why don't we get mad at the Germans since they actually were, you know, pro propelling Nazism? Come on. This is like whatever, 50, 60 years ago. They're a fledgling democracy. Let's not put the blood libel on them for the rest of eternity and support this fledgling democracy. And I understand that they had a terrible history, some of them. But remember, they had just been. No, but you're right, Phil. Phil, you are absolutely right. Sorry, I got to cut you off. If you want to stay on, we'll continue after the break. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Cause your perfume is smelling sweeter. Since when I saw you down on the floor. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show reports that some 10 million Ukrainians have been displaced by war. What a stunning number. 6.5 million displaced within the country and 3.5 million have fled its borders. Meantime, also many people coming into Ukraine to join the fight mostly Ukrainian citizens, but others too as well, to saying that they are fighting. And at this hour, air raid sirens going off in several cities throughout the country. Think about that staggering number, 10 million people displaced. That is a stunning, stunning number, and that makes it one in four. Every one out of four people living in that country has been displaced. It's a population of about 40 million. So that is a stunning, stunning number. And here is President Zelensky saying the Russians are brutalizing people. There are reports, and we have seen even video, of people protesting, and then the Russians are opening fire, trying to disperse them. There are reports, and we have seen images of art schools leveled that were used as shelters for women and children. We know a hospital was leveled. We know a theater was leveled, that they are going after women, children, everybody to make it as brutal and painful as possible for the Ukrainian people. Take a listen. I, I can tell you about the result of, of these negotiations. So, uh, in any case, uh, we are we're losing people on a daily basis, innocent people on the ground. Russian forces have come to exterminate us, to kill us. And we have demonstrated the dignity of our people and our army, that uh, we, are, uh, we are able to deal a, a powerful blow. We are able to strike back. And, and, in fact, President Zelensky doing an interview just a little bit ago where he is telling this is a Ukrainian public broadcaster saying, let's say that the Russians try to demand that they get Kharkiv, one of the cities, Mariupol, which has been leveled that we were talking about in Kiev, the capital. People in these cities won't let them do it. The only way that they can seize the cities is to kill everyone and take the empty city. We will not give an inch. What a powerful statement coming from President Zelensky. And here's a little bit more because he says there is no way that the Ukrainians will surrender. I cannot recognize, uh, firstly, as a president, secondly, as a citizen, and thirdly, you cannot force people to love the enemy. That's impossible. You can't force them to love the enemy. And he also says that Ukraine is a free country. 
and Russia is in no place to make demands for its future. And there cannot be any ultimatums from any country whatsoever to another country. Regardless of the army it has, regardless of the finance, regardless of the size of the economy, because it's international law, it's about respect to the sovereignty of each country. Therefore, dialogue is the only way out. And by the way, Zelensky, there are multiple reports now that many Russian mercenaries are in Ukraine to again try to kill Zelensky. Defense officials are saying that a number of different militant groups, including a Russian propagandist who is close to Putin, he's owner of this Wagner group, uh, has a whole new group out there trying to get their target number one, which is Zelensky. He's even said it. He said he's always maintained that he is the number one target and his family second. And he says that he has reportedly survived more than a dozen assassination attempts. Think about that so far by some of the most vicious mercenaries in the world that are now putting him on the hit list. Also, a new report coming from the New York Post. This is interesting. We're friends of Vladimir Putin's basically Ava Braun. Uh, This is this woman whose name is Alina Kabeva. They are begging her to basically go to Moscow and meet with him to try to persuade him to end the war. She is facing expulsion from Switzerland, and there are a number of reports that Putin has allegedly been sort of hiding, quote, his girlfriend, if you will, this woman, and their kids in what was, you know, once neutral European nation for the Russians. She's now being expelled, and many people close to her are saying, go and beg him, go do whatever you can to try to convince this madman to stop. Listen, anything, anything would work. I'd say bring in Ava Braun, bring her in, you know, whatever helps to stop This guy from committing this horrible offense, bring it in. By the way, Zelensky also just saying a little bit ago uh, in an interview, again, this is with a Ukrainian broadcaster, that NATO should either say now they are accepting us or openly say that they are not accepting us because they're afraid of Russia, which is true. So in other words, challenging NATO, which fence are you going to be on? The fence of scared of Russia and you're not going to help us? Or you actually are going to help us. And he also said, listen, there there could be NATO members and there can be countries that are not necessarily NATO members, but that you can provide security guarantees without NATO membership. And he believes that maybe that's where this compromise exists for him and Putin at the end of the day. Maybe NATO can hammer out some deal where he's not going to be a NATO country, but that NATO would guarantee to give security to the Ukrainian people and get the Russians out and get them to stop the brutality that is almost beyond belief at this point. Is that a solution, you guys? That's an interesting point. Maybe that is the solution. You know, Putin can walk away and say, I got him never to join NATO. He's taking huge losses in his military. There are reports that Russian soldiers are shooting themselves in the leg so they don't have to continue the fight. Over the weekend, there was a fifth general who was killed and an admiral who was killed. Uh, One of the guys who was overseeing one of the major ships coming in in the Black Sea, guy who was sort of like a military hero there, he was killed. So 
Is this a way that Putin can save face and certainly a way that Ukraine can save its nation? What do you think of this compromise? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And also, by the way, coming up also later on in the show, um, in about about 20 minutes or so, we're going to do one of my favorite segments that we do every night, Support Our Heroes, where we honor the great heroes, the great men and women in the military Uh, We will do that, as we always do every night, in about 20 minutes from now. And we're also going to talk about New York as sort of a microcosm for America, because New York is now pushing the governor to do some fixes on bail reform, saying that she thinks they can find a happy medium. Do you think New York can turn it around because crime is skyrocketing in New York as it is in so many other major cities across this country? And could that maybe be a template to maybe just on certain crimes insist that there must be bail, that there must be jail time, that there must be at least some sort of penalty that people cannot just walk out, repeat offenders with no cash bail? So, And could this serve as a template to people like George Gascon and others in L.A., uh, that loony Kazuni DA over there who seems to think that everybody should basically walk free? Um, we're going to take your calls on that later on. That's going to be at the end of the hour, so definitely stick around for that, everybody. An important topic tonight. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. We are talking about Ukraine and the war on Ukraine, of course, A very, very serious topic. And where do we go from here? Uh, Phil, you were nice enough to stay on, my friend. um, And I want to get you to finish your thoughts because you were responding to Norman right before the break, who uh, basically said that, you know, Russia has a right to do this and that that Putin was uh, or is a better president to the Russian people than Biden is to the American people. Um, You heard I, I rarely defend Biden, but I did defend him on that one, Phil. Uh, well, I just wanted to wrap up on the Nazi thing that should be – we should put a stake through the heart of that argument that right now we have uh, a, a, a Putin directly attacking civilians for mass casualties, attempting to resettle them to God knows where. And I can tell you that the Taliban were not as bad. They just kill a few people in a stadium and let all the other people see that happen. Putin is exponentially worse, and he is doing this to a fledgling democracy defended by a Jew. So I do not understand Norm's logic at all. So that's the second point, if you will. Uh, if you agree with that, yeah, Rita. and by, yeah, I. By the way, you know I agree with that because I think it's outrageous. That and he has, and as you're you're saying, Phil, he is strategically targeting women and children. I mean, I think about and Phil. Thank you for the call. You're terrific, and thank you for staying on. That was great, you know, and very important, obviously, to hear your thoughts. And I think about also the theater, Phil, because that is that theater in Mariupol where it literally was marked. Women and children. It said children on the outside, on both sides of the building, in Russian. So they see that, and they still struck it, and they leveled it. And you know, it was so bad, and this just, I think, epitomizes the brutality, like you said, of of this man. And I think he's appropriate to be compared to the Taliban. I think you put him in the league of a Taliban and a Hitler and and these monsters from history. Um, When you look at him and, and you look at what they've done... 
the rescue workers went to the theater and were trying to help people who were crying out in the rubble because they believed that there were about 1,200 people in that building at the time when they leveled it. Again, marked children on both sides. And they go in to try to save them. They're crying out. And the rescue workers were being shot at by Russians. Can you think, I mean, is there anything more horrific? So just let them scream out and like, I mean, they are just trying to exponentially brutalize and and try to, you know, decapitate uh, the will of the Ukrainian people. And if you listen to the Ukrainian people in the last few days, it's only stepping up their sentiment. They're just like, this guy is a monster and we will never give in. Um, you just listen. They are like determined and fiery as ever. And they will not give in. They say, we're not, if anything, it's intensifying. They're like, you're killing our women and children. We will definitely fight for our country. I mean, they were going to do it regardless, but I think it's only stealing them and making them stronger and making them more adamant and showing that it is a good versus evil fight. Uh, Let's go to Kevin in Boston. Kevin, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Kev. Thank you, Rita. Rita, you're one of the best on radio. And with the top greats, I say, uh, Charlie Kirk. Seth Liebeson, uh, our own mayor of uh, America, Rudy Giuliani. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, you're never self-grandizing. And you worked in the swimming pool, the swimming pool, which is now the epicenter of the White House uh, media and press room. I did, exactly. Um, I knew. By the way, as soon as you said it, that's what I thought you were going for, Kev. You know your history. Absolutely. So... But in, in, in you deliver with such passion and sentiment. I know it's your bone marrow caring for America. But we have to really, and the, and the Pope is silence uh, on this. Yes, uh, Russia's military, I feel, is in disarray. Has Vladimir Putin uh, committed atrocities and war crimes? Absolutely. But this all goes back to Hillary Clinton, the uh, nuclear reset, and even with Barack Obama on the 70th anniversary where the Poles were slaughtered by the Russians and the USSR, what did he do? He, he moved the Patriots. Yes. After 20 years where that was on board, so there was no leverage. And we just looked at the events of recent years. Uh, last year, when we were being hacked, and a major pipeline that feeds the East Coast was hacked in by a Russian source, what did we do? We turned around and we said, please, don't hack into these 19 companies. It was just like last week, saying what we're going to give to the Ukrainian military or government. Exactly. Per down. So who can we trust? We do not have a government. We we are in a banana republic. You asked me weeks ago, do I believe if there should be a no-fly zone? Actually, I, I think the Hague or the, uh, the, the World Treaty should have a sanctuary zone or like a green zone for people to, to escape these atrocities. But who can we really rely upon? And there's one thing that I know, and I'm going to stand up for Norman 10,000 times, at least Vladimir Putin cares for his country, his homeland. He's a nationalist. And, you, and, and I, I, I mean, what do you mean, like, that you don't think our president does? Is that what you're saying? Not. 
He is just self-indulgent. Yes, does he have a major cognitive decline? Yes. But he is at the source of criminality. His family, everybody. And, and there's so many uh, intelligence agencies. This is so pathetic. Until we bring law and justice across the board, I mean, where are we going as a society, as a government? Well, and, and, as and I Kev, mentioned many times, and Kev, that small body of people, and Kev, 435, hold on, Kev, 438. Kev, and Kev, by the way, and one of the things, too, that is sort of to kind of accentuate your point, and by the way, I, I will never say that Putin's necessarily good for his people. Um, you know, um, I hear your criticism of Biden, um, but I'm talking about Putin right now because he's leading also their people to financial ruin, um, to isolation for, you know, maybe generations to come. Uh, that may be the best solution that comes from all this because he's the world's pariah and, and those who are supporting him are becoming the world's pariah. Um, but I also think that Biden um, and, I'll, you know, I'll finish that thought after the break, everybody. I'll, I'll fill you in on that. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight, there are air raid sirens all over the country of Ukraine and reports that Russian and Belarus troops that are, of course, on the other side of the border are planning to come into Ukraine. Of course, the Russian troops are already there, but reinforcements coming from Russia and Belarus adding some of their troops as well. Meantime, also Russia reaching out to other countries, trying to get them to join the leagues like Armenia and some other countries. No word yet on what is going to happen with them. But we do know that there are stepped-up attacks on Zelensky's life, the president of Ukraine, and they are saying that at least they have at least a dozen attacks, assassination attempts against his life, and that right now they have hired additional mercenaries the Russians have to come in to try to assassinate who they believe is their target number one, Vladimir Zelensky, think about this. What an unbelievable pressure as it's coming from all different directions. And also good news over the weekend uh, that the Russians lost five generals so far now. They lost another one over the weekend. That makes it five. And then also this admiral, who is a very, very kind of like a war hero in in their Navy, uh, essentially was killed in a battle also. So a number of losses on the Russian side, but this is still continuing to go on. And where do we need to go from here, everybody? This is really serious stuff. Um, and when we talk about hypersonic missiles used, and now the fact that they are getting more and more brutal, it is unbelievable to see the level of attacks. And in the middle of all this, we were just talking with Kevin from Boston, and Kevin was talking about our government. Well, one crazy thing that our government's doing, Kevin and everybody else, in the middle of all this, we are negotiating with Russia, trying to use Russia to help us get a nuclear deal that Joe Biden wants so desperately with Iran, which is the craziest thing. First of all, remember, Trump said, I'm not going to negotiate with these guys. They're continuing to develop nuclear. They're not abiding by things. Let's, why are we giving them money? Why are we doing any sort of deal with them? And so Joe Biden has come back in, tried to resolve this deal that he thinks is a good deal, which a lot of people say is one of the worst deals. And guess who's the bidder? Guess who's helping him, supposedly? Is the Russians. You can't make this up. And there's word that we may be paying the Russian 
billions of dollars to help build a nuclear plant, not for nuclear warheads, but for nuclear energy in Iran. You can't make this up. So how are we having leverage over them if we desperately need them for some reason, as Joe Biden believes? I mean, this is, to me, the level of incompetence. It is outrageous. Let's go to Al in Huntington, New York. Go ahead, Al, your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, I've called several times, and uh, I really can't give any of the details about, well, you know, I'm still a soldier, and I know uh, a lot of troops that go to Paul's Ranch, so um, my um, my opportunities have come up. Yeah, I'm getting ready to go, but I just wanted to say that. Oh, my God. Thank uh, you, Al, for your service. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the acknowledging all the time for your support. I just want to say, I just feel a little, a little a little critical about one of your callers, and I think he's just making personal biases about how he feels about Ukraine and being part of Russia and how far we should go and not go. As a Kosovo veteran, I recall being in Belgrade and Podvica in, uh, in Serbia and seeing the villages and towns and everything like that. In this country, we hold a very, very, very big burden, and we are the defenders of freedom. I agree, Al. By the way, 1,000%. I absolutely agree that we represent that beacon. And I was in Kosovo, too. I was in Belgrade, too, uh, during all the bombing and everything like that. Um, And, yes, we do some tremendous things around the world, and we are seen as the leaders of the free world. And that's why it's important that we lead. Uh, And whether it's giving, I think, the Ukrainians what they need militarily but also, first and foremost, hoping that a peace deal comes. But we got to lead. We're going to continue after the break, everybody. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful story coming from Danville, Pennsylvania, A woman, Anna Jean Ward, a former resident of Danville and one of the few women to serve in the U.S. Air Force during World War II, turned 100 years old yesterday. During a celebration at the Family Center there, she received multiple honors to commemorate her service, including recognitions from the American Legion Post. And one of the commanders there said that of this woman, this incredible woman, she is truly an exemplary model on the women's role in the military. She paved the way on how women should honor their country and the important role that women played. Ward was discharged from the military honorably on October 14th. 1944. She was a private. Now, she served in the Army Air Corps as a light truck driver. Uh, driving around high-ranking officials. And they said without her and the other 150,000 women that served during the Second World War, the war effort might not have been successful or at least would have been prolonged. So what a great thing to hear about them honoring her and other women. Of course, it is International Women's Month. So perfectly fitting to see a 100-year-old woman, nice and spunky. I love to hear that. Well, we are talking, of course, about the battlefront, and we just heard from a veteran who was talking about how we need to help and support Ukraine, and things are getting really, really dangerous. 
Um, in the last few days, there have been so many attacks on so many of the major cities, and they're getting closer and closer to Kiev. At least they're hitting it still with lots of strikes. Uh, those tanks are still sort of on the periphery. They haven't come much closer to the city, but these strikes are coming. So clearly they're doing, you know, longer distance strikes, and the Russians still have a very strong arsenal. And in the middle of all this, there is still incredible concern about them taking it to the next level. In the last day, they gave an ultimatum to Mariupol. That's that port city that has just been decimated, where the attack happened on the theater and also on the hospital, where they are just slaughtering women and children with their strikes. And there's apparently, like, you know, armed conflict. That is hand-to-hand conflict. There is apparently, it's like brutal fighting in the streets of Mariupol. Thousands have been killed there. Um, on both sides. And apparently things are getting really, really brutal there. And Putin gave the ultimatum, basically saying, surrender or else. And Mariupol said, we're not surrendering. No way. And now many people are very worried about what Putin may do next to there or another city in Ukraine. Take a listen. This is President Biden, not that long ago, just a few hours ago, saying that they are worried because the worst may be yet to come. And so his back is against the wall. And uh, he's now he's talking about new false flags he's setting up, including he's asserting that we, America, have biological as well as chemical weapons in Europe. Simply not true. I guarantee you. They're also suggesting that Ukraine has biological and chemical weapons in Ukraine. That's a clear sign he's considering using both of those. He's already used chemical weapons in the past, and we should be careful what about to, what's about to come. He knows there'll be severe consequences because of the United NATO front, but the point is, it's real. Wow. Very serious stuff to hear the president of the United States saying because of what they believe are false flag attacks, you know, kind of claims coming from the Russians kind of saying, oh, yeah, the Ukrainians are doing this, the U.S. are doing it. He is indeed saying that they believe from intelligence, and we heard this from Blinken last week from the Secretary of State, that there is a good chance that the next move by a very desperate Vladimir Putin may involve chemical agents, and that is a frightening premise, but a very real premise coming from our President of the United States. And the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin also talked about that and said if that would happen— there would be severe punishment. I, I think if a chemical or biological weapon was used, you'd see a, a, a significant reaction from not only the United States, but also the global community. And, and again, I don't want to speculate about uh, what exactly would, would change our calculation. I think, I think uh, you know, engaging in hypotheticals is probably not helpful here either. But I think... Uh, this is, uh, this is a very serious step, and as you heard our president say, uh, we, won't, we won't take that lightly. So what should the U.S. do, and is there anything that they can do now to make sure that Putin does not even consider using a chemical weapon? I contend we have really not shown a big backbone. You know, we have been so lacklustered and so tepid And clearly nothing we have said or done so far has stopped Vladimir Putin. And obviously you're playing with fire when you're dealing with somebody like Vladimir Putin. But one of our callers said it best just a little bit ago. One of you guys said Taliban 
is not as bad as Putin in their mind. And I think we are dealing with a madman, and he has clearly shown no limits. And these images are unbelievable. And no matter how much the world is condemning it, he is continuing and continuing and continuing. So do we wait till he tries something like that? Or when you hear the president of the United States and the secretary of state, who often have been pretty understated, usually they're like kind of tepid and like the last ones to announce something. Now they are coming clearly out and saying that this is a very real threat. So what do you think the world should do? I think at minimum we should be giving them those MIGs. Let them fly the MIGs. Let them get the MIGs. But give them the MIGs and give them some of these surface-to-air. Give them this anti-aircraft. What are we waiting for? Why are we waiting to give them Patriots? There's discussions that that may come out of the NATO meeting on Thursday. That's going to happen overseas in Brussels. What are we waiting for? Imagine how many people are going to die between now and Thursday in Ukraine. I bet you a lot, sadly. And that is heartbreaking. 1-800-848-9222. Um, let's go to Elena and Tina. Go ahead, Elena, your thoughts real quick. Good evening, Rita. Uh, three points. Uh, Nazi, Nazism is used by Putin to uh, elicit fear of the Russian people from the past history and hoping that they would uh, distribute that fear and anger against the Ukrainian people. It's not working very well. Uh, Putin is a monster, and so have the policies of the 60s in Russia. When people were incarcerated in the gulags, those were the concentration prison camps out east. There was a revolt, and women came out and wanted to protect their men and hopefully stop the tanks from destroying the gulags. The Russians just ran right over all the, the women made mincemeat out of them. It, it's horrible. So what do you think we should do now, Elena? It is horrible. These, Like as you bring up, you bring up some very powerful examples of oh, just yeah. like you said, of what there's a history there. So what right. should we do now, Elena? We need to reexamine our foreign policy. We need to stop cultivating our subliminal love towards Russia. One way we're not with them, the other way we're with them, we're making deals and we're working against them. Our our foreign policy is no place. And how are we going to protect NATO and how is NATO going to work with us when we're not strong? NATO is getting stronger. I don't know if we are. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Elena, because I feel like NATO is overshadowing Um, us tremendously. Elena, thank you very much for the call. Let's go to Steve in Pearl River. Steve, your thoughts. Go ahead. Rita, you know, Putin has been exposed. You know, he's actually very, very weak. And bullies are weak. You know what? His military is a paper tiger. Okay. His, His army, certainly his infantry, is a paper tiger. Okay. Does he have you know, nice laser-guided toys, you know, that, you know, you fire from, far, you know, far away and, you know, you rain hell on innocent women and children. Who, who oh, a, a madman and a bully, and he is a war criminal, all right? He has committed crimes against humanity. So how do we right? stop him, Steve? How do, and by the way, I agree with you, um, but okay. how do we stop him? Because he, okay. does well, have a, he does have a big military, and it looks like he's getting, even if they're 
haven't performed up to the the par that people expected and certainly that Putin expected, it's still a strong military. No, I don't. I, 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 you know what? You know, you would know by now. You you can tell how strong or how weak they are. And you know who else can gauge it? The, the, the rest of the world. And you know what? They miscalculated, all right, because they thought that there was no way that the NATO alliance would stand strong. They miscalculated on a lot of different levels. And there was a wonderful article about three weeks ago in the Wall Street Journal about how the Chinese have, are completely horrified at, at how badly they miscalculated. Because you know what? The reality of the global economy is they can't afford to be economically isolated like Russia. Yeah, they but, but Steve, they're also still doing deals with Russia. They're like, you know, like I, I hear what you're saying. You know, I think that they were thinking Putin was they were going to side with Putin because Putin, they thought, would run all over Ukraine. And Ukraine's have been courageous and have definitely given him a run for his money. But the problem is they're trying to have it both ways. Like they also basically, according to reports, gave Putin the green light to just go ahead and invade. Don't worry about it. Just do it after the Olympics so it doesn't ruin our Olympic celebration. I mean, these people like he's still there as much as I agree with you that he hasn't been this big force of nature that everybody thought. But he's clearly doing some horrible things to the world. So real quick, how do we stop him, Steve? Because okay. he's, these atrocities, I mean, these images, I, it's, it is unbelievable. I'm sure you feel the same way, but it's like oh my, my heart God. breaks. Rita, Rita he's going to – this is usually how historically how these things work. He's going to cross a line. And when he crosses the line – this is my prediction. When he crosses that line – the picture will be unhung and the man will be hung. Thank you so much, Rita. Wow. Steve is hardcore there. Steve, thanks so much. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts, my friend. Go ahead, Stan. Tales will come true. Sadly, uh, this is not going to end happily. I want it to end happily. Uh, nobody's going to. You keep asking the same question. What can we do? At this moment, there's only one thing we do. If he goes to uh, uh, biological warfare, we have to definitely begin the possibility of responding with nuclear situation. There is no other answer here. Wow, Stan, Stan, you're usually kind of— I fought in the war. I know what the hell we're talking about here. Wow. They are pushing the button, and we will—this ain't a chess game anymore. This ain't phony games of so forth. He has to be. I was, if I was Joe Biden, I'd get on the phone, throw away the playbooks, and come to the terms. If we, if you want the end, of, Russia will not survive. You may shoot the butt, but you will not survive. We will not survive. No one will survive. You do not win. Nobody wins in this game because fifty years there's been no nuclear. It's always been military. This is one game that nobody wins. Okay, you will be destroyed. The United States will be destroyed, but we will respond. Joe has to get off his ass, and I like you know I love Joe Biden, and say point blank. Yeah, yeah you're one of the few who does, Stan. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, there's plenty of us that do. That because 
it, there is no more answers. Again, you know what I want the Vatican to do. Yes. I don't think that's going to happen. Prayer is not going to help these people. And by the way, Stan, I um, I also do wish the Vatican, I think it'd be great if they could get even more engaged and doing something. Um, and boy, listen, I hope it never gets to the point, obviously. And as you talk about being a guy in battle, uh, you can appreciate it. I hope it never gets to the point where we are using um, any sort of retaliation. Look, I hope he never gets to chemical weapons. Um, but this guy just, it seems like he's pushing it, he's pushing it, he's pushing it. And now the Mario Pill people have just been so courageous after an enduring, unbelievable hammering. And he is saying, oh, you're not going to surrender? So uh, that is a really scary place to be. This is uh, scary stuff. And, and many of you, like Stan and others who have been in battle, um, the stakes are so high right now. This is just an unbelievable time. When we come back, everybody, we are going to talk a little bit about a story coming out of New York as it reflects crime across the country. We're going to talk about our security just briefly because we're talking about the world security. But crime is rising in so many New York cities. And now the New York governor, Kathy Hochul, basically confirming that she has put out a 10-point plan to fix bail reform in the state budget. Will she be successful? Because you got people like Alvin Bragg. Take a listen. This is the DA, of course, in Manhattan, who it seems like let's sympathize with the criminal, but don't worry about the victims. Take a listen. We've all seen the story of the person who's uh, on their eighth arrest. And people say, well, how this happened? How that assault happened? Well, there were seven prior times with that person struggling with addiction or mental health. We didn't connect that person to services. This is going to make us safer. It, it's intuitive. It's common sense. I don't understand uh, the pushback. I don't understand the pushback just because all I'm talking about is how to make life easier for criminals and not for the victims. And sadly, there have been so many cases of crime across the country. So do you think New York can be successful uh, to even just tinker slightly with bail reform. Maybe not all out change it, but at least do something. And do you think it can maybe set the tone for the rest of the country? Because crime is so bad that now there are Democratic leaders that are saying, huh, maybe I need to take a look at this. What will it take? And is it all smoke and mirrors or is it going to be real results? one 800 It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We have been talking about security in Ukraine and also talking about now crime on the streets of America, where in so many of the major cities, crime is absolutely skyrocketing. In New York City alone over the weekend, it was like close to 30 people were shot in various crimes. And some of these stories of other crimes that have taken place in New York City are just unbelievable. A nine-year-old girl visiting New York City with her mother was punched in the head by a man who was screaming, while walking near Central Park, a little nine-year-old girl. And if you look at it, the guy was a repeat offender. There's this common thread that is happening over and over and over again. In that case, luckily, a sort of hero doorman stopped in, 
stops the suspect from fleeing. But so many of these cases over and over again, and there's this common thread of soft on crime DAs. You've got Alvin Bragg in New York. You've got George Gascon in Los Angeles. Of course, the guy in San Fran, Philly, the list goes on and on. And I was so happy to see that New York Governor Kathy Hochul is now putting out a 10-point plan to fix bail reform in the New York state budget. She was kind of, you know, there was a report about it a few days ago, and then she actually confirmed it, confirmed the New York uh, Post report, and basically said, yeah, I am looking at all these issues and to try to figure out a way to keep streets safer. So that's a breakthrough. But will it happen? And is it possible that it can happen with still a Democratic DA? Granted, the governor can come in and say, ah, I need to get rid of the DA. She can try to put pressure on the DA. She did say not that long ago that she was going to give him a little slack. I remember that was a line. I'm going to cut him slack. And sort of, you know, he just got into office. Will he be able to change his ways? Will he be able to see the light? I don't know what he needed. You just look at the crime numbers. That should have been light enough. But do you think that there is a chance now that things could turn around and that sadly, because crime is so bad and there is so much pressure on so many officials, even Democratic leaders hearing it from their constituents who are saying, enough, you know, we're leaving these big cities. We can't take it anymore. Here's a little bit also of Eric Adams, of course, the New York City mayor, saying that he is really frustrated with bail reform. We must also address bail reform in our pretrial detention system. First, we must allow judges to take dangerousness into account. New York is the only state in the country that does not allow a judge to detain a defendant who poses an immediate threat to the community. Forty-nine other states, as well as the federal government, allow judges to consider a defendant's dangerousness. New York must catch up. Yeah, New York must catch up. And especially if you look at the numbers, I'm happy to hear it all. But will they be able to put pressure, because you have to go through the New York Assembly and a whole bunch of other things, are they able to change the system? Is it just all talk or will we see results? one 800 848 let us go to William in Central Jersey. What do you think, William? What are your thoughts on this? You know, I'm just so tired of Eric Adams not showing up. He's just like a media hound. He's like everything he has, everyone he shows up in front of cameras, he has to be dressed perfectly. We had 28, 29 shootings in New York, like in the five boroughs, like over the weekend. Like, where was he? He's an absentee mayor, and he just loves the spotlight. And we don't need a mayor like that. We need somebody that needs to show up and do the work and be present and, you know, uh, inspire his troops to prevent this crime from ruining that city. Well, and also, William, he's got to put pressure on the D.A., granted. You know, they act autonomously, but they know each other. Come on. You know, he's he's got to, like, not just say it. He has to also do it and somehow put pressure on the DA. I realize there's a lot of cogs in the wheel, but it's like, how much more do you need to do when you're looking at the numbers all over the place? Um, William, thank you very much for the call. Let's go to Ken in Westchester. Ken in Westchester, New York. Your thoughts about it all, Ken? 
Lovely, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. My thoughts are simple, really simple. Nobody's going to like it, but stay away from Europe and Russia. Who cares about you? what they're doing to Ukraine is horrible, but it's none of our business. We need to straighten out this country. Our border is more important than Ukraine's border. And they're not they're letting people come over by the millions. It's ridiculous. We can't uh, we free. What do they say? Open borders and free health care. They're giving everything away to these people. And we're going bankrupt. We need to straighten out our country. And that includes all the crime you're talking about. Well, and Ken, I'll give you I'll give you. I absolutely agree that we need to have better security at our border. One thousand percent. It's outrageous. I do think we should care about what's happening in Europe because these people are being slaughtered and we don't want it to spill over. And we are the greatest country in the world. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.